I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. Okay, Cordelia, I've got, I've got some questions. They're going to seem random at first, but I promise they have a point. Okay. Um, <laughs> how much is a gallon of gas in Colorado right now? Uh... Like two twenty one, I think. Cool, and um, I don't know. What about a gallon of milk? Do you even drink? Do you, I don't know. No, no. If you drink milk, what? How much does a gallon of milk cost? I drink almond milk like every other like crunchy, bougie hipster. <laughs> um, I think I don't know. Like two between two and three dollars, depending on the brand you get. For your bougie almond milk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have a do you have a Netflix account? I'm on my mom's. <laughs> Proudly. Fair enough. <laughs> this is the Dirtbag Diaries. Loud and proud. <laughs> Are we airing this? <laughs> I think my mom's on mine. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, how much does that cost? Do you know? I think mom? it's like $12, $13 a month, right? It is something close to that, yes. Uh-huh. Um, and those are things that, that in the last year during the, during the pandemic, uh, you've not gone without Netflix or almond milk i'm sure is that correct correct why yes. what you gonna tell me why you're asking well, me these well, questions yeah yeah so i'm curious what what do you miss from the last year everything that i can't have right now which is people i think just hanging out with people and having people over for dinner going to see shows and singing with people i mean all the stuff that <laughs> used to feel so easy but is so hard to access yeah. right now yeah and, and even the the stuff that sort of you know we might be normally say like you know there's that term like the best thing in lives are in life are free right it's uh-huh. like those are the things that that on a certain level we would say that about right like um, like good conversations and friends over yeah for dinner good conversation and, yeah. and a hug from your mom and uh-huh. you're like that you know like that that those things are simultaneously invaluable and free it's uh-huh. just like weird it's like the circle of commodities comes around on the whole thing, right? Yeah. And and um, you know, in our house, we we buy a lot of cheese sticks, uh, like a lot of string cheese sticks, like so many. I don't. It's just like one of those things. I never thought I should have invested in a string cheese company <laughs> before having children, because there's a lot of them. And you know, it's it's funny because like I think, you know, I've been fortunate enough to make a living doing. Um, this podcast and you know other creative endeavors at duct tape and beer, and mm-hmm. it's funny because like it's sort of this like I, I give a kid a cheese stick right before bed, they eat it, and it's funny because it's actually this weird measure. You know, I mean that cheese stick is probably forty nine cents or something mm-hmm. like let's say like that, but that cheese stick actually is a reflection of like the love and the effort and the energy that I put into this show. Mm-hmm. 
and it's this strange thing where if you were to to be like what's this community around the diaries worth to you i'd be like it's invaluable right Mm -hmm. it's like it's incredible it's been you know one of the biggest adventures of my life Mm -hmm. and yet it could if you chose to be measured in cheese sticks right (laughs) and it seems like today you have a show about that So we've got a story about a climbing gym, a pretty cool place called Coral Cliffs, struggling like so many other small businesses through closures and lockdowns. So often the things in life we love the most, we say they're invaluable. But when this community faced losing its only climbing gym, they took a hard look at how much it was worth. I'm Fitzcall. I'm Cordelia Zars. You're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. On March 20th, 2020, the governor of Florida issued an executive order that required all movie theaters, auditoriums, and fitness gyms in Broward County to close. Abby Dion is the owner of Coral Cliffs Climbing Gym in Fort Lauderdale, and she scrambled to figure out how she was going to pay her employees, rent, utilities, and bills for equipment, all without any income. She looked into applying for small business loans available at the time. There was no clear, this is what y'all do. Like, even once you put in your paperwork to the banks, it was like, I mean, I had my bank have resend me two different forms because they're like, oh, they changed it again, or this is missing. In early May, Abby did receive a small amount of government funding through the EIDL program, which helped her cover the last few months of overdue expenses. But in early June, she used all of that money up and again had no way to pay rent or her employees. Abby had to begin furloughing staff, and tensions with her landlord reached a breaking point. I had no rights at that point. Technically, I was trespassing if we didn't come to an agreement. It was either figure out a way to pay or close down the gym. Thanks to all of Abby's hard work over the past 10 years, Coral Cliffs had become a thriving and beloved community center in South Florida. We quickly spoke with a few longtime members. Fell in love with everyone, with the space, with the vibe, with, you know, just came to it, just uh, not really knowing that I was coming to find my community. When you go there, everyone know each other. My girl, Lila, everyone know, knew her, like all the climbers, you know, that they are more old than her. They will all come and say, oh, hi, oh, then we look at her. Walked climbing. in, it was just uh, super friendly. You walk in, everybody knows who you are. You know, you might be trying to boulder a route and, you know, randomly, Abby or, you know, Liv. Or First Kelly of all, I have a here. cerebral palsy. And so, you know, it's hard for me to like, stand up and stuff and you know it's but, but you know what ever since i joined his gym i feel like i'm like a stronger more centered and everything 
you'll go once or twice a week for your therapy session and make sure to talk to everyone. How are you dealing? How's it going? You know, what's going on with work? And, and- for us, Abby, she's not actually Lila coach. She's more like a family, a sister for me and aunt for the girls, like a friend for my husband. She's not, she's not a coach. She's- it's the bar where everyone knows your name. <laughs> it's that kind of environment. That was Vanessa Flores, Yafit Gitterman, Mike Kelly, and Gabriella Nalvin, who all climbed at Coral Cliffs before COVID hit. Here's Abby again. This is it. It's, it's been a good run. No, but, and also, you know, I'm, let's be clear, it's been a good run, you know. The idea of letting her community down tore at Abby's heart. But she looked back on all the relationships she'd built and tried to stay grateful. I just knew I needed to like hunker down and then be at peace with whatever came through at the other end. If anything, my personal experience has shown me that it'll be fine. It might be super unpleasant, but I'm not to sound nihilistic, but I'm not dead. You know, no one I care about is sick. Abby tried to keep that perspective as she called her friend Anahid and told them, hey, I think this is over. Abby grew up in Montreal, where as a kid, she always found a way to get into the outdoors. I always wanted the adrenaline side of things. So a walk was like a serious hike. Playing in the snow is like bulleting down the mountain in your sled, you know, with your three buddies in the back and hitting like moguls. And then like when you, and seeing how many kids can stay in the, <laughs> the sled. Yeah, that, that was us. Even as a child, Abby figured out that playing outside was a way to bring people together. Regardless of race, background, or beliefs, Abby had always been the kid who said things like this. I just want to play with everybody. One day when Abby was in second grade, she and her friends were outside playing street hockey in early April. A reporter for the local newspaper stopped and asked them to describe what they wanted for Easter. And all my buddies asked for, like, I want a chocolate Easter bunny the size of Montreal, and I want <laughs> eggs, da, 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 da. and I was like, for Easter, I would like peace between all races. I would like the Soviets to stop bugging our embassies. I can't remember all of it, but that is what I was saying. I bet the reporter was just like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, peace between all races. Like, I just, I've been thinking about this forever. Years later, Abby moved to Florida to study mathematics and physical oceanography at the University of Miami. While she was in school, a couple of friends from Europe came to visit her. They had a climbing trip coming up, and they didn't want to lose their fitness during a Florida beach vacation. And they found coral cliffs, and they were like, hey, we're going to this place. Would you like to come? We're going to climb. And I was like, that sounds like fun. I'll join you. And I did. This is what is embarrassing. I learned to climb in Florida. Climbing really didn't come to my consciousness until I came to the flattest state in the Union. And then it was like an obvious choice. At that time, Coral Cliffs offered super bare bones climbing, like no padding on the floor bare bones climbing. 
Eyes wide, Abby hopped on a wall. I lost my mind, essentially. I took my class, I got my gear, uh, I got my membership all in the same day. I climbed everything. Climbing gave Abby a unique feeling. In possession of my body, my breath, and my mind, and really present and strong. I felt really strong when I practiced it. Abby immediately vibed with the community at Coral Cliffs, and she became a regular in no time. Folks were always like, hey, do you need a catch? And how's it going? And also at the time, especially in Florida, like it wasn't cool. No one knew. When I would say to people, oh, I'm going climbing, they'd be like, where? You know, where can you do that here? The thought of it happening indoors wasn't even in the consciousness of the average person. In that sense, we were a band of misfits, you know, like we knew of this place together. And so it was a small crew. For Abby, climbing immediately tapped into that desire she'd had as a kid to just play with everyone. In Fort Lauderdale, everyone's from everywhere, and Abby felt welcome from day one. It isn't gender-specific. It isn't age-specific. It really is. Like, it translates at every point in, a, in an individual's life. Abby's climbing strength and technique improved. She started climbing outside, too, and deepened her connection to the sport on trips she took to Colorado and Kentucky. Coral Cliffs became a home, and climbing gave her a sense of belonging she never wanted to forget. One day, my climbing partner, you know, whispered in my ear that the current owner was selling and that I should probably buy it. But he was just like, you would, this is a, do this thing. This is what you need to be doing with your life kind of thing. And I was like, hmm. Abby mulled over the idea for a few days and then had a conversation with the owner. And I realized that for the love of the sport, the love of my community, at worst, you know, it floats along as it had. And at best, we can make a difference. I've always been the kind of person that when I like something, I want to share it. I usually say if I'm having a good time, everybody's having a good time. Because I, I look to share joy. And climbing brought me a lot of joy. In 2011, Abby went for it. She bought the business. I didn't know any better. Thank goodness. Like, really. I just valued my freedom. And I valued the product. So I don't want to say I fell into it, but you know how people say you should love what you do and hopefully do what you love and apply yourself and have purpose. And all of those things, you could see the ingredients of that happening for me with the purchase of the gym. But making sense of it was definitely overwhelming. And then let's just talk realities. There is no guidebook for, for business, really, and even less in the climbing industry, especially a decade ago. Abby's math degree gave her a leg up on the numbers, writing budgets and business plans, thinking analytically about how to create a sustainable product. In that first year, she spent 70 to 80 hours a week on her company, and she encountered a wide range of challenges. How do I get the power turned on here? And, you know, or how do I open a bank account? Like super simple stuff to how do you handle the person who doesn't believe or recognize that you know what you're doing? When she purchased the gym in 2011, Abby became the first queer black woman to own a climbing gym in the U.S. She's 5'3", petite, and wiry. I don't match up with the image of the mountaineer that folks have been exposed to. So you can imagine 
a 200 pound dude walks in the gym and is like, can you play me? I'm like, yeah, I can play you. You'll be fine. In addition to setting up the business side of things, Abby spent a lot of time on the floor of her gym, belaying and instructing. She began to transform the gym into a fully equipped training facility, installing hangboards, a weight section, and the first tension wall in Florida. She launched a kids' competitive climbing program, a ladies' night, and one-on-one coaching sessions with the staff called Climb Time. She engaged the community in events like film screenings and fundraisers, and she created a new system of membership tiers so that more people could climb at an affordable rate, and her prices haven't changed in a decade. Everything Abby introduced into the space, from budgets to belay etiquette, stemmed from her personal philosophy of climbing. There should be no friction in the system. Like, if someone wants to come and climb, they should be able to come and climb and work the thing. Visually, what comes to mind is, it sounds terrible, but like an assembly line. <laughs> Let me explain. You're going to have to break that down for us. <laughs> Let me explain. You're getting some insights into how my brain works. I'm very, <laughs> like, I'm a real nerd, but... I like systems, I like mechanisms, I like finding the principles that guide things, because then they can take on different expressions. And I, that means I can own it, you can own it, you know, I can practice it in the ways that feel best to me. So the way I visualize it is, I don't want to call it hand-holding, but if someone comes through the door and they're like, oh, I just saw this movie and it was dope, you know, I want to climb, you know, from, uh, I saw this in a magazine and I've been wanting to come for years and like I really get the gamut of people walking through the door and so I imagine assembly line where depending on where you're walking in the culture that I have in this space is that you can take steps to progress and it's really quite it's really quite deliberate like many people I've taken up gardening during quarantine and you realize how the quality of the soil matters. Lower layer, mid layer, top layer, it feeds through. Yeah, it's an ecosystem and I'm pleased what has grown in my ecosystem. I've spent more time worrying about the soil than anything else and, and not what I'm growing. Abby's noticed people climb how they feel. And given that the sport requires a presence of mind, body and emotion, she designed her gym to provide a holistic kind of training. So helping folks come face to face with each challenge, whether it's the climb, whether it's the process, you know, the tools you use to get through stuff. And I think the beauty with climbing is that there are different ways to come at things. So I try to help people see that. And it's whether it's a 5.6 or 5.12 or whatever. It doesn't matter the difficulty. And I Someone who climbs hard in my space doesn't, I mean, gets encouraged and definitely gets, you know, fist bumps, but you don't get elevated in my space. It's not a, you're not a better person because you climb harder, which causes intermingling. Like no one, there is no class of cool kids in one corner, not so cool kids in another. Like if you come to Coral and you're on the wall, people will be like, yeah, good job, Cordelia, good, get it. And I didn't realize until I really got I went to other spaces and I realized, wow, no one's talking to one another. There's no encouragement for me, especially when I'm outside, just feeling the people I'm with, like cheering. It is a lot of times the difference between sending and not sending. Not even sending, forget sending. Making one more move 
holding on just a little bit longer, trying just a little bit harder. And that injection of energy, I give it to the folks that come through the door and, you know, I think it gets mimicked by my staff and by my members too. In a nutshell, Abby's whole business motto boils down to a single phrase. Be a nice person. On June 30th, after scrambling to keep her business afloat for three months during a national shutdown, Abby called her close friend Anahid Sachi, a climber and writer from Vancouver. Anahid and Abby had met a few years back at Color the Crag Climbing Festival, and Anahid made frequent visits to Florida ever since. Abby kept in close touch with Anahid through the shutdown, as she juggled loans, furloughed employees, and navigated landlord relations. And through all of it, Abby had managed to reassure Anahid and her community that everything was going to be okay. Here's Anahid, who uses they-them pronouns. I don't know, we're going to work this out, we're going to be fine, we're going to pivot, this is an opportunity to rebuild or take this somewhere else, or like a true entrepreneur in that sense. But I just remember like that phone call felt different. I felt that she was sort of teetering on the edge of like, just saying like, screw it. I, I can't do this anymore. So I let them know. I was like, I think this might be it. More after the break. Support for the diaries comes from Ketone IQ. As I've been getting more and more into longer runs and bike rides, I found myself fighting with my mind. As the miles extend, I feel like my reactions get slower and I make more mistakes, like tripping or falling or just kind of feeling slightly out of sync descending on the bike. On those big days, I've been using Ketone IQ to help my brain keep fueled and sharp. I want to have fun, not bonk. Here's the science. Ketones already exist in your body. When you push up against your boundaries, your body begins to convert stored fat into ketones, which your brain prefers consuming. With Ketone IQ, I feed my brain so my muscles can use the glucose I get from whatever else I eat on the trail. Riders of the Tour de France have been taking the same approach. I am definitely not as fast, but I can apply the same thinking. Give it a try. You save 30% off your first subscription order at ketone.com backslash dirtbagdiaries. Once again, that's ketone.com backslash dirtbagdiaries. The link is in the show notes. Please check it out. Support comes from Kuat Racks. The Piston SR is a single-rail bike rack that easily mounts on most roof racks, overlanding utility racks, and truck bed rack systems. The dual-ratcheting piston arm grabs your tires and makes no contact with the bike frame. So, that's better for your bike, right? Plus, the rack has an all-metal construction, genuine Kashima coat, and integrated cable locks. That translates to being super burly. Kuat has taken their Piston Pro X and elevated it. Find more details at kuat.com. Kuat, because you will absolutely love this rack. So I let them know. I was like, I think this might be it. I was at peace. I can't, and I was just like, this is what's going on. I just want to tell you. 
But I started ignoring her <laughs> and I didn't listen to a thing she said for maybe like 15 or 20 minutes. And I just like used the privilege that I have in my ability to word things. Uh, and I wrote up a, a GoFundMe page and then I was just going to publish it and not tell her. And then I thought, maybe that's not a good idea because she'll definitely find out and then she will not be very pleased. And to all of, all of you out there who are not so attuned to talking about your feelings when it's a little disorienting when you do and then the person you're doing it with is like typing furiously on their keyboard. You know, you're like, what the heck? Is and that's what I did. I was like, what are you doing? This person is just shouldering so much more than they should be shouldering right now. And like, we need that space. The community benefits from that space. Like they need to know. Anyone who knows me knows, you know, I move pretty solo. Like I move, I've had to cut through some brush. So I just, I'm used to getting after things by myself. So I don't necessarily burden. I don't necessarily, you know, ask for help. I usually find a solution. Anahid set the GoFundMe goal at $25,000, which would cover the rent Abby had missed since the onset of the pandemic. Then they contacted a list of Abby's closest friends, mentors, and advocates and said, help me get the word out. We have to save Coral Cliffs. And did it ever cross your mind to ask for money from your community? No. 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 Not at all. At the end of their phone call, Anahid had posted a GoFundMe. Abby didn't know quite what to make of that, but said, whatever you do, just leave me out of it. I'm exhausted. I was like, I'm going to garden. <laughs> I'm going to do a peaceful act, a nourishing and peaceful act. So I'm going to garden and play with dirt and grow something because I like to grow things. That's just my nature. So I was like, let's grow something small. Meanwhile, Anahid stayed awake at their computer and watched the donations begin to roll in. The next afternoon, Abby got a text from one of her members. Dude, by tonight, for sure, 18. I'm like, what are you talking about? 18 what? Is what I texted back. <laughs> 18 what? And he just like, in ca all caps, LOL, LOL. That 18 meant $18,000. By the end of the first 24 hours, they'd hit their initial goal of 25K. So I was like, we got a rent paid. Phase two within 24 hours was like, let's double that and make sure Abby has some resources for the rest of this pandemic, which is indefinite. I had spent all of these years giving, giving, giving and never asking. And they were like, so it's funny. You should, you know, hey, everybody, uh, we're going to do this thing where we're going to ask for Abby. And, and that's what they did. Abby was gardening the entire time, quite literally in the soil in the front of her house, planting a garden. And nothing could have been better, honestly, even just as a metaphor. Within 72 hours, a total of 4,000 people contributed to raising $120,000 to save coral cliffs. The gym was going to be okay.
Following the fundraiser, Abby was able to pay her rent in full. She rehired all of her staff and got to work repairing the gym after several months of dormancy. She drafted a COVID policy requiring masks and limiting climb time to two hours. And on November 14th, 2020, Coral Cliffs reopened. I asked Abby what it felt like to witness her community rally behind her. Obviously all sorts of emotions, but the main ones are obviously gratitude and just absolute humility. Just, I mean, even though it's in the form of money, it is an act of love. People showed up and that's just it, you matter. That is the message I've been trying to communicate in the gym when someone comes in and is climbing, is you matter, this is great. This is, it's progress, it's growth, it's phenomenal, keep going. And the GoFundMe is all of that on steroids. <laughs> Today, Coral Cliffs has been open for a little over two months. Abby has seen her membership numbers gradually rise again, and she's back in the soil of her gym, creating new programming with a bigger emphasis on education this spring. I want your membership to include an assessment from a physical therapist, a conversation about your body, get to know your body, not just when you're on the wall. Mobility, not just yoga. Teaching folks how to route set, it's like choreography. Making hold, like climbing movement, strength, all the other usual trimmings. It really is offering someone you belong. Abby's push to develop new programming ties directly back to the lessons she learned last summer. What the experience of this past year has shown me is that my creating a place and space that offers care for folks and their learning and their growth is much more important than how big your space is, how tall your walls are. I'm going to double down on that some more. Experiences like the GoFundMe show me that what I'm offering is good and uh, yeah, I need to do more of it. It's okay to ask for what you need. It's not just okay, it's important to ask for what you need. On our last call, Abby FaceTimed me into the view of her garden. The seeds she planted last summer during the GoFundMe have grown into beautiful eggplants and peppers and a mountain of herbs. For now, she's letting the soil rest and enjoying the fruits of her love and care. I think it's beaten out of us, but really it is give, give, and then take or receive. That is how this works. doing the credits on a chairlift. Is it a powder day? Yeah. yeah. A little more enthusiasm. Is it a powder day? Yeah! Okay. Well, it's kinda. Our stories come from friends, from friends of friends, and from you, our community, which is how we got this one. If you have a compelling idea for a guest or a story, lead, please give us a shout. You can use the submission form on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today from Kai Angle, Ken Christensen, Jay Blanked, Jazar, Little Glass Men, Brendan O'Connell. The tracks are courtesy of the Artists for Free Music Archive. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song, Still Dope. You can find the links to the artists at our website, DearBagDiaries.com. This episode was produced by Cordelia Zars and edited by Becca Cajal, illustration by Walker Call, graphics by Anya Miller. Becca Cajal is our executive producer. I'm Fitz Cajal. I've got some powder to ski. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Everyone say thanks for tuning in together. Thanks for, Thanks for tuning in, in together. together.
No, no, no. At the same time. One more time. One, two, three. Thanks for tuning in together. Don't say together. Just say thanks for tuning in. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll count. I'll count. I'm gonna count. I'm gonna count. One, two, three. Thanks, thanks for tuning in. in.